When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. Welcome to a new week of Houston Sports Weekly, our weekly podcast here on KPRC 2, 2 Plus. Click to Houston.com and every social digital platform out there. A lot to get to this week. If you're watching or listening, if you're in the mood to hear some Texans news, uh, we have got you covered today. uh, I'm here, Ari Alexander. Aaron Wilson, our Texans contributor for Click2Houston.com, on the heels of the uh, Texans officially firing uh, Lovey Smith guys and the process beginning. We heard the whole uh, press conference with owner Cal McNair and uh, GM Nick Casario, uh, a different Casario. Let's get into Lovey first. Let's start with Lovey, and then we'll get into what y'all's takeaways on how Casario sounded in the news conference. But uh, nobody was surprised he got fired. Were y'all surprised on how quickly it happened when they got back? No, I, I mean, you don't. Usually, it's Black Monday, right? It's not Black Sunday night. You, you fire guys the day after. I think that they just they knew what they wanted to do, want to get it started, get the search going, as uh, Casario likes to say, get the processes for the program in place or whatever it is that, that he talks about. <laughs> the program. The program. Yeah. So I just I think they just wanted to get it done. I, I don't think they wanted to deal with Lovey anymore. Yeah. And this is a second consecutive failed hire for a caretaker coach because this is I think it's more difficult to hire a coach that you want to win than it is to hire a coach that you want to just look after things while you're rebuilding. Yeah. And they have now failed twice in that day. I mean, they Nick Casario has now failed twice in a row hiring a coach to just look after things. You don't even need to win. Mm-hmm. You just need to keep it afloat. And he couldn't do that for two straight hires. Right. Yeah. When you don't aim high enough, that's why you get the kind of outcomes they've had. And it's really just not you know, setting a high standard for the organization. When you do that, and you're just thinking, you know, we're going to tread water. We know we can't win right now. Well, who's to say you couldn't have a coach, hire the right coach, and at least you put your program in place, you start working together. If you'd done this a couple of years ago, there have been plenty of good coaches that they've interviewed. They just, because of their demands on the first staff, that they would hire a lot of the staff for David Kelly. He made barely any hires. Mm-hmm. With Lovey Smith, he had a little bit more autonomy, but he's 64 years old, and he had been fired by Illinois. It wasn't like you know anyone else was giving David Kelly or Lovey Smith jobs. And then as you work with Lovey, and you'd already worked with him for one year as defense coordinator, but you don't do your homework. You look at what he did with Chicago. He's going to run the same scheme that he ran as defense coordinator. That's not changing. At 64, you don't change. And the feedback I got and the reason for the firing that you couldn't just come back with him even again, you know, is that for Nick Casario, for Lovey Smith, they need someone that's going to be high level and able to make decisions quickly. He was very resistant to suggestions from staff, coaches, players, wouldn't make any changes, wouldn't adapt the practice routine, didn't listen to the feedback. And I would say ultimately that more than anything, just being kind of old school, set in his ways, is the reason, as much as the record, and no, he was not fired because they won the game and they didn't win the number one pick. I think that Yeah, a lot of people are saying, that's because they went for it. He, be, he became aggressive suddenly and went against what they wanted. Lucky touchdown. <laughs> Lucky touchdown. But yeah, they deserved a little luck after the kind of year they went through. 
All right, uh, so Lovey is out, and um, now, what, a couple days later, they had the news conference, or I guess Monday they had the news conference. Uh, let's, let's dive into that a little bit and it kind of the way the Texans handled it and what came out of their mouths. Uh, Kyle McNair was there. Hannah was in the in the crowd in the uh, in the auditorium there at NRG Stadium. Uh, Cal read his statement and I emphasize read his statement <laughs> and uh, and then uh, Casario got up there for what 15 20 minutes whatever it was. Uh, takeaways first from Cal McNair. He spoke for a couple of minutes and what stood out to me was him saying he's going to be more involved in this process. What do you guys read from that? Will he really be that involved? Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> I, I don't have a whole lot of faith in 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 how deep dive decision making Cal McNair does. Um, so I don't know how much involvement he's really going to have, or, or just sort of a last second say so. The whole point of being an owner for for a guy like Cal McNair is that he can override decisions. I, I don't think he's the one going in there and doing all the background research on Jonathan Gannon and all the background right. research on these guys, that's Nick Casario's job. And then he can kind of go, yes, no. I, I don't really believe that he's going to be, quote, unquote, more involved. I think he's going to be doing the same job of making the final call and writing his name on the check. So I don't see it that way. Maybe just being informed more, maybe, than he yeah, had been. I, mean, I don't know. Making Nick Casario text him more updates? I don't know <laughs> what that means. I, I, I just don't see him... It, like doing more steps yeah. other than just, yeah, maybe you're right. It's like, hey, Nick, tell me every more details than you told I mean, me. At least it sounded good coming out of his mouth. Sure. Whether it actually means he'll be really more involved or not. But what do you think, Aaron? Uh, I think it's a more involved Cal McNair? Do we read I much into that? I think a little that? bit. I think that it's going to be one of those situations where there's not as much autonomy, that's my understanding, that Nick had in the past mm-hmm. to just quarterback it. Obviously, last year, Jack Easterby had an influence on it, too, and that's why they were on the goal line with Josh McCown before moving on and doing what they did with Lovey Smith, which is basically a compromise after no one could agree on that in the league. They got pushed back, and there were other owners contacting Cal. That was one of the reasons that that didn't happen. But, yes, I expect him. It's going to be his hire. I think they will. Nick Casero will get to make a recommendation. It's not only going to be Nick's decision. <clears throat> it's going to be what Cal thinks, what his family thinks, Hannah, Janice, is best for the Texans. He's going to be very involved. People are saying, okay, Hannah's around a lot. Let's, let's talk about that. What, how involved is she right now? How, how much is Cal leaning on her? Not for football knowledge, I'm not saying that, but just for her perspective and her opinion. How much is she saying and maybe Cal's listening to and the influence she has on him? I think she's very influential. She's very smart. She's very much informed and in on all of these things. She's not the owner, but she's the owner's wife, and she's the vice president of their charitable foundation. Yeah, she's very important yep. to everything the organization's doing on and off the field. Yeah, I would never underestimate her role and how influential she is. And her role is to support <clears throat> her husband, support the team. But, yeah, she's been around it a long enough time that she has – some perspectives and i would say also a big thing for her is good judge of people just taking the measure of somebody what 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 are they about what do you think of this person and she's because you know by being cal's wife in on these conversations so yeah a lot of it you see these situations like jimmy Mm -hmm. haslam and d haslam d haslam's really involved she's very important to all the decisions they make in cleveland and 
with you know Janice McNair being a co-founder, but you know being somewhat removed from it now, you know being up there, you know Cal being the guy that's in control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hannah's important. All right, this is Houston Sports Weekly alongside uh, Aaron Wilson, our Texans contributor for ClickToHouston.com, Randy McAvoy, and uh, Ari Alexander with you. Coming up in, in a few minutes, we'll hear actually hear from Nick Casario uh, some of his extended comments he made in the uh, press conference on on Monday, um, and you'll hear exactly what he had to say. Let's let's talk the three of us. So let's talk about uh, Casario and um, sounded like a real humbled guy when he spoke Monday. Not the typical, uh, word, was it the word salad? Word salad. That's not even uh, my word anymore. Yeah. we got people at press conferences <laughs> telling them the word for it. salad. Yeah. Uh, but it was a different presentation, if you will, from Casario. Whether he was uh, instructed to come across that way, if it's sincere, what do you guys think? Uh, what came out of his mouth uh, Monday at the news conference? I thought that you did see a almost like apologetic tone. He didn't say, I'm sorry, but it came <laughs> off like, hey, I'm really sorry that this organization, that we haven't done well enough. And the biggest message he wanted to get across was accountability. Yeah. Very humbled. It wasn't swaggy Nick Casario. He seemed uneasy, mm-hmm. a bit nervous, and upset. And from what I'm hearing from what he's like behind the scenes, sincerely very disappointed in himself and the whole organization that they haven't made more progress. Because he has his hands all over this. I Were mean, they supposed to make the more roster progress? The roster and everything. Debatable, yeah. Yeah. but they haven't made more progress. And I think that's right. one of the issues, Randy, because here they are, and you're heading to year three. You've got a six-year contract. You've got job security, despite what many think after the press conference. He's going to have this year. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be all of a sudden, you know, they pull the carpet out from under him. He's going to be the guy, but he's going to have to show progress this year. Otherwise, there could be a new general manager. In the next year or two, he's going to have to take a step forward. I think he was acknowledging how bad it is. I don't have a problem with that. The only thing, too, is just you're not doing a grade the press conference thing, but when you get up there, everyone's watching. They're looking for nuances. And when five times you say, if the other, if the coach that comes in here doesn't think that I should be, and you're hinting at, like, I'll step down. Yeah, I was going to ask you guys about that. With a rookie coach, then they all of a sudden they get to pick their GM they're going to work with. Very few guys get yeah. to do that. Right. Kyle Shanahan did with John Lynch. There aren't a lot of guys. Sean Payton probably will get to do that if he gets a job. Uh, we're hearing now that he's going to be on the interview list. I don't expect that to happen for the Texans to make a trade with the Saints and Sean. But I think, you know, why not talk to Sean Payton? He's a great coach, so you talk to Sean too. The biggest thing with any of these deals is you want to try to go after the best possible people. But my takeaway on Nick is, He's a much safer, and he still has a lot of juice. It was just one of those things where that press conference didn't really run right for him. And what anybody will tell you in public relations or press, you want to project strength when you're the leader. And when he did that, you're almost punching yourself too much. you got to really – it's fine to be accountable and disappointed in all of those words, but when you start talking about, well, maybe I'll be out, how does that help? It doesn't even make the position seem very attractive. It was uh, – I think that was a misstep. Yeah, I mean, first of all, first thing that comes to mind right now with Sean Payton is if I was Sean Payton and they had Kevin James play me in a movie, I would be furious, right? <laughs> they couldn't have found someone a little little better, a little bit more that looks like Sean Payton. Uh, so hopefully he's, he's, he's back from dealing with, dealing with that, reeling from having Kevin James play him in a film. But I don't think it's a good idea to trade a first-round pick for I don't either. Sean Payton. There's yeah. plenty of other I think he's a great coach, younger but not, coaches around the right. league that you don't have to trade a pick for. I agree. 
I thought Nick Casario came off like a guy who sort of failed for the first time in his life. It's almost, you know, he worked for the Patriots for a long time. The Patriots have Bill Belichick, who's arguably the greatest coach of all time, put together this winning team forever and ever. They're always mm-hmm. good, and they never fail. And then he comes to, to Houston, and he's this guy who I think that Nick Casario thinks that he's brilliant. And he thought that whatever he did for New England would carry over and it didn't. And for right. two years now, not only did it not carry over, he is failing spectacularly. Like, he's not just failing normally. He's failing in an interesting way. And he's kind of realizing, I'm not winning yeah. this time. Yeah. And so I'm I trying to imagine him, like, it. with all this going down, him and what he said the other day, him in his office with the lights closed, just talking to himself, like, trying to talk yeah, himself out of what happened. My old friend <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was, uh, it was interesting. And again, after the break, we're going to hear uh, from Nick Casario as well. And we'll talk a little bit as, as well, guys, as now they've got to find that coach. And we'll briefly go through who's on the list right now as of this taping uh, of this podcast. And also with that number two pick, gut feelings on what direction uh, they may go towards in the uh, draft coming up in April. But, again, all that's coming up as well. But, again, the Texans have uh, fired, of course, Lovey Smith. In the uh, search now for a new head coach, that process is underway. And uh, as I mentioned, Monday the uh, requests have been put in for several guys to – get some interviews. They have to accept that. The teams they're with have to approve that as well. And we'll see. I'm interested to see if D'Amico Ryans actually follows through and will he actually say, okay, I'll talk to you and see if that happens or not. But anyway, we're going to take a quick break here on Houston Sports Weekly. When we come back, we'll chat about those things and also we'll listen in to uh, some more of the conversation and the comments from GM Nick Casario on Monday. When Houston Sports Weekly returns, we will be right back. Check it out. Back in a couple minutes. And welcome back to Houston Sports Weekly, our weekly podcast here on KPRC2+. Plus. Click to Houston.com and, of course, uh, KPRC2 as well. Great to have you with us as we continue our conversation. Randy McAvoy, R. Alexander, and Texans contributor for Click to Houston.com, Aaron Wilson, as we continue to talk about the uh, Texans' big week, the firing of Lovey Smith, uh, the process now underway. In a, in a minute, we're going to hear from uh, Nick Casario. But, guys, let's talk about some of the names that have come out, and by the time this hits over the weekend and Friday there could be some new names but we know kind of the gist of where they're going at least the initial list and in a new one that was added uh, names that are standing out to you guys out of this early list anything anybody really stick out to you the leader Jonathan Gannon interviewed twice the Philadelphia Eagles defense coordinator some commonality with Nick Casario has a personnel background he's from Cleveland former scholarship athlete Louisville was a safety till he had a bad hip injury and ended his career but He's paid a lot of dues, and he has a creative approach to defense. He's someone that, when you think about the candidate, he got very close last year. He was a finalist, and he mm-hmm. knocked it out of the park in the interview from everything I've heard. He met with the McNairs even um, off-site. He had some you know, face time with them. And then Ben Johnson, the Detroit Lions offense coordinator, very creative what he's done with the Lions offense, really galvanized the career of Jared Goff. That was impressive what he did with him. And then... You know, the biggest name, of course, is Sean Payton, who was just added while we were doing the podcast. And for Sean... How, how serious do you guys think Sean would consider this job? Yeah. Because this is a guy, if, wherever he, whenever he does get back into coaching, he wants power, right? Power and a ton of money. <laughs> I believe he's making like $15 million a year with the Saints, that's mm. what I heard today. 
So it's going to be expensive. Not that money is really an object. You know, yeah. you have a huge operating fund, and the McNairs are certainly not poor. Uh, I would say that financially isn't the problem. It's the draft capital. And, you know, when you think about the Saints and Mickey Loomis, their GM, they'll ask for a lot because you look at comparable trades. Bill Belichick's trade from the Jets to the Patriots mm-hmm. before he was even what he is now. Bill Parcells, all these guys, you think about coach trades, they're expensive. And is it worth it when you can get other candidates? I think they go up and coming. This is just another person to talk to. It makes sense to have the talk. But I would expect it to be an up-and-comer, like one of these guys I mentioned. I think they're the top two candidates, Johnson and Gannon. And I give mm-hmm. Gannon a slight lead right now. Are anybody else on this early list that you, you're intrigued by? Or? I think it's more about this time finally hiring a coach that you want to win because I don't, as bad as the Texans are in so many categories, I don't think they're as far off in the AFC South as people might think because the rest of the division is so bad. The Titans, who physically dominated the Texans for the past few years, do not look good. They have an issue yeah. at quarterback. They're, they've got less depth at a lot of other positions. They have Derrick Henry still, but other than that, there are not a lot of places where the Titans are that much better than the Texans are. The mm-hmm. Jaguars, you know, had their hot little run at the end of the year, but the Texans, even when they're bad, have been dominating the Jaguars for years. And then the Colts are worse right now. Mm-hmm. They might have more holes than the Texans do <laughs> overall. So you could conceivably win and or compete in this division as soon as next year. Like, the Texans roster is bad. It could happen fast. But it's yeah. not that bad. Like, there are some yeah. spots where they have some good players that, <clears> and they have all these picks. They could quick turn around kind of like the Jags did toward the end of this season if you have the right coach. Urban Meyer was the absolute wrong coach, and mm. Doug Peterson is a professional and knows what to do and put it together quickly. <laughs> That's the kind of guy you get. I like Ben Johnson just because of this. I used to be a Colts fan back when they had Peyton Manning and Andrew mm-hmm. Luck. And Andrew Luck retired. I kind of stopped paying attention, and now I cheer for myself to win money in gambling and daily fantasy. <laughs> and when it comes to that, I watch the Lions. Like I've never cared about the Lions in my life. They're fun. They are fun to watch. I like Ben Johnson. I like the but, way they run the offense. But would there be concern like, okay, is this guy one and one year one hit wonder kind of guy, or do you need somebody who's done it the track record a little longer? I think it wouldn't be a concern. Uh, you know, you want to think about. Is he like the next Sean McVay? That's what you want to try to find out. Mm-hmm. Is he that good? Is he that much of a whiz kid? He's 36 years old. He's very young. There's a connection, actually, to the Texans that he has from college football. And he's a walk-on quarterback at North Carolina. And Ronnie McGill was the running back for the Tar Heels. He's their director of pro personnel. So he does have some connections here. We'll see. I think that he's someone to take very seriously in this pursuit of the new head coach. All right, they're going to continue, I would imagine, adding names and this is all the virtual conversations, right? Because right. is it after the wild card weekend, if, if Cal said it, if I understand after right, the they can start meeting face-to-face, yeah. face, right? fly people in, yeah. and you can have in-persons, and then you can have second interviews at some point, depending on if they're still in the playoffs. What I would say you'll see now is just they'll complete Zooms yeah. with several candidates. Real quick, 30 seconds or less, D'Amico Ryans. They, I know they have interest. Fans would love him. Right. Do you think he's going to have interest in this job? Right. He does. The latest I'm hearing is that he hasn't committed, but that he is leaning toward taking the interview. Why not take the interview? Yeah. But this is not his first choice. And, of course, there was that lawsuit. But that won't be the major reason why. It's just something what he's been on the fence with and wrestled with, and he's told those close to him that he was opposed to in the past. Now they've got the request in. It won't surprise me if he at least does the interview. 
but I don't think he'll be the next Texans head coach. All right. Uh, that is the uh, latest on the uh, the coaching list right now. Again, it could grow as they continue to look at potential candidates. All right, as we told you a few minutes ago, we were talking about Nick Casario and uh, Cal McNair having the, the news conference on Monday. We're going to listen in now to some extended sound uh, from Casario. You will hear, if you haven't heard it yet, kind of for yourself, the way he came across as he moves forward in this process. Many believe he's lucky to still have this job as GM, but right now he has the confidence from the ownership, Cal McNair and Hannah McNair as well. Let's listen in now to a little bit of the uh, conversation from GM Nick Casario. I think our commitment um, is to the people in this building, uh, this program. It's not about one person. It's not about one individual. It's about doing what's right for everybody in the building. It's about doing what's right for the players. and It's about doing what, right, what we feel is best for the organization moving forward. So Certainly indebted to Lovey for his contributions and what he's done for our organization. As Cal alluded to, we've started the process of moving forward of identifying candidates to be the next head coach of the Houston Texans. We have a lot of work in front of us, um, but I don't think anybody's discouraged. I think we're all disappointed about where we are here currently. I would say I don't want to speak for anybody other than myself. I'm certainly disappointed um, in where we are. Um, I take as much responsibility in where we are. And I'm accountable to everybody in this building. Um, quite frankly, I'm probably more disappointed in myself more than anybody. But I'm also excited about the opportunity we have in front of us. I think we've done a decent job of putting the organization in a good, good position um, with our team. Uh, we didn't get the results on the field that we all would have hoped for and that we all would have wanted, that we all would have expected. But I think we have an opportunity here to move forward as we turn the page. Um, we've positioned ourselves fairly well um, from a draft capital standpoint. We'll have uh, at a pretty adequate salary cap space. So in the end, it's about making the right decisions, about making the best decisions, and it's about making the decisions that we feel are best you know, for our team and organization. And that's my commitment to ownership. I'm appreciative of their support and the resources that they're willing to provide. And as Cal mentioned, I would say the only way to get better and improve is to look at all facets of your process and operation. And we're doing that not only on a football operation standpoint, we're going to do it on a coaching process standpoint. We've already talked about implementing some different, I would say, techniques and tactics that we feel can help us and relying on, I would say, more members and people in the organization making a more inclusive process and not just make it about one individual or one person. So we're trying to be proactive. We're trying to make decisions that we feel make the most sense, and we're trying to, I would say, make adjustments and modifications because the only way you can improve your situation is to acknowledge where there may be some deficiencies, but also to recognize where there may be some strengths and where there may be some areas that we can improve our process. So that's what we're committed to doing. That's where our commitment is to the people that are here in this building. I think including maybe more voices, more people, utilizing the resources that we have in the building, utilizing our resources throughout the league, using some of the data and information that you know might be more available. And I would just say candidly, me allowing other people to be a part of that process because we trust the people that are in the building. Um, I think that's my responsibility to everybody that's here. So, again, we have an opportunity to get it right, and that's what we're fixated on doing is try to get it right. And the only way to improve is to find ways to improve, and you have to be committed to making those improvements. Now, does it automatically mean it's going to end in the results that we all want, that we're going to be 17-0 and next season? I don't think that's realistic, but I think what we want to see is progress in as many areas as possible. I would say we've made progress in some areas. Um, there's other areas we have to continue to make progress, but as far as the process in and of itself, I think we're, we're going through that. We're talking about it on a regular basis. We've had multiple conversations about it today. 
don't want to necessarily get into the depth and the detail about it, but I would say utilizing resources that are readily available to us that maybe, quite frankly, we haven't done as productive a job using previously. All right, so that was GM Nick Casario on Monday at NRG Stadium uh, talking for probably 15 or 20 minutes. Cal McNair's comments were real brief, but uh, Casario really covered everything, and he was open to all the questions. So we will wait and see on the coaching situation. Real quick, guys, got a little less than two minutes. Uh, right now, number two pick, surefire quarterback. You think they're going with that pick, or could things develop and change a little bit between now and April? I think they'll probably go with a quarterback. And I think Bryce Young, despite some concerns about his size, I think they're going to get comfortable during the scouting process with him and go with him instead of C.J. Stroud. And we talked on the last podcast a little bit about C.J. and why representation might matter. You know, mm-hmm. He is represented by Deshaun Watson's agent, David Mulligetti. It got bumpy, to say the least, uh, between the Texans and Deshaun and David. So, yeah, I would imagine Bryce will be the guy and watch for the – Bears to go defense and go with Will Anderson. I don't think they're going to be a wild card where you trade back, and I don't think they have to trade up to be sure that they get the quarterback. Any concerns of any other teams trying to if they do, jump up? It's not the end of the world. This isn't Peyton Manning, and no one right. really generally don't move up for that kind of guy, especially when he's barely six foot. He's 194 pounds, and he's not going to even run that fast to 40. He's going to run probably a four seven. What he is, he's a guy that's really gifted in the pocket, throws a really good football, and He's a winner, and you yeah. know, people thought Jalen Hurts was a little short. That's worked out okay. Yeah, I think you got to like that guy. All right, what do you think? I, I mean, I think you got to go all in on Bryce Young. I, I wouldn't <clears throat> mind the the split between him and C.J. Stroud, but as Aaron mentioned, I do think there are some concerns. I know when we talked in our roundtable, guys were like, "How are you going to let an agent decide that <laughs> relationships matter in, in sports?" It does. Real it does. Cares all the way. Might not want to deal with certain people. That's how it works. And yep. so I think you go all in on Bryce Young. If you want people to come back to the stadium, and I think that's the <clears> biggest <throat> thing that Texans owners Callum. Hannah McNair and Janice McNair want people's butts in seats. Bryce Young and or some young, exciting quarterback gets the butts in the seats. Drafting some high-level defensive tackle to be good four years later does not. Yep. All right, uh, so what a week it has been for the Houston Texans. The first of many uh, newsworthy weeks for this uh, for this team, for sure, moving forward. you got the combine uh, down the road. You've got the draft coming up in April, and I'm sure we'll be talking a lot more about the Texans on upcoming uh, Houston Sports Weekly podcasts, uh, for sure. Aaron, appreciate the time, Thank as you. always. I know you'll be popping on uh, quite a bit with us as well here, Sports Sunday, everything we do. Great work. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. All right. uh, For Aaron Wilson, our Alexander, I'm Randy McAvoy. We'll uh, wrap it up now on Houston Sports Weekly. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And as always, we'll do it again next week. KPRC2 Plus. Click to Houston.com and KPRC2. Have a great week, everybody.